Hello, and thank you for tuning to Fire and Rain Ministries, where fire purges and rain washes. Today, we have an exciting word to share with you from Apostle Allison J. Cross, and we know that you will be encouraged by what you hear. So sit back and relax, and remember, she has a word for you from the Word. bless your name this morning. We bless you. We honor you this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy this morning. We honor you this morning with the fruit of our lips. We thank you, Father, for the gathering today. We thank you, Father. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy, and we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for the strength of the unity of the body today in Jesus' name. We thank you for the life that you have breathed in our midst, O oh God, to cause revelation knowledge to come forth in each and every vessel that's present and will be present and will hear at a latter time. Father, begin to open up their understanding and enlighten and enrich what you desire for each and every individual to know that's called by your name. Father, we cultivate, Father, through the word. We call, allow you, invite your Holy Spirit in for the teaching that it be, that it be solidified, Father, from heaven and what the Spirit of the Lord is saying in this hour in reference to the church, reference to the position as a prophet and the position that you've called each and every one that is here and will be here and even listening at a lot of time. We thank you for your mercy today. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for the grace, Father. We, we block out distractions. We block out distractions. Every enemy and every entity that's been assigned against this platform, against this live, against the woman of God, against those that have a hearing ear, we seize that illegal activity over the airwaves today in Jesus' name. We come on, come on. We we seize illegal activity over the airwaves today. In Jesus' name, we, we seize it. We seize it. We decree the blood. We decree the blood. Let angels accompany us in this teaching. Let angels be in our midst in this teaching. Let revelation knowledge come. Let revelation knowledge come at a higher dimension. And we declare it and we decree it and we believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so be it. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I see we have everybody just about back online. We're missing, I think, um, Cece is not back, but hopefully she'll get that email link and come on back in. Uh, God bless you. I see Apostle Betty, Apostle Ron, Pastor Miles, um, Prophetess Sophia. I tell you, this is going to be a great lesson. We're going to be talking about uh, Amos. And, you know, last week, when we were here, I was literally saying we're going to spend the whole day on Amos. Um, I want to do that, but I want to kind of move it along because we have so much to cover. And do you believe we only have like three weeks left? <laughs> About three weeks left. It's just been so good. But what I'm going to do after we're done with the School of the Prophets, I'm going to have a weekly Bible study and I'm going to continue to teach because in depth, um, because it's just it's so important to get good in-depth teaching and ministering because, hey, we need it. Amen. We need it. God's people need it. We need it. And, you know, it, it's just how it needs to be. It needs to be taught. The word needs to be taught. Um, preaching is good, but we need, some, we need some teaching where we can sit down and learn and study and things like that. It's very important that we do that. So we've been talking about, we're in the school of the prophets. We've been talking about um, various um, major prophets and we're on the minor prophets. We're talking about Amos right now. And just to um, get to Amos here, 
uh, Amos was, I think he's one of my, almost one of my favorite prophets. I'll say almost because, you know, he wasn't playing games. He was not playing games and none of them were. But one thing about Amos, he was very concerned about the people. And as prophets, God gives us a heart, not only for the church, but he gives us a heart for the people. He gives us a heart for social injustices, just like, you know, what happened in the um, Old Testament with the prophets. They cared about what was going on with God's people and they wasn't messing around. They wasn't mixing words. They weren't trying to get an engagement. None of that. <laughs> they were concerned about God's people. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be concerned about his people. Hallelujah. So that's what we need to do. Be concerned about God's people and you know what's being um, said in this hour, because how many of us know that in this last and final hour, it's a lot of strange voices in the land, a lot of strange voices. It's a lot of uh, false prophets um, and things like that, but we have to come against it. So Amos, Amos was a prophet. He lived in the eighth century BC. He was in the Northern kingdom of Israel, and he's considered one of the minor prophets of the old Testament. And he's known for his message of social injustice and judgment. You know, and I think last week I made mention of how a lot of people want to separate the church and the state. I believe that we need to cry out and spare not against the injustices that we see, whether it be um, state, federal government. This, these prophets, they did not mix words. They didn't hold back. They knew that God wanted his people protected. He wanted his people covered. He wanted um, people to be dealt with justly. So they stood up and that's what we have to do as prophets. Let's stand up for what's right all over the place, not just in the church, not just in the streets, but in the government, in the city and the different councils and things like that. We can literally ask God to intervene and it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to ask God to intervene and he will because God is about truth and justice. Amen. So who was Amos? He was a shepherd, a farmer, and his prophetic message was directed at the wealthy and powerful ruling class in Israel who were exploiting the poor and the oppressed. This is part of what we need to be doing. We need to be doing that, okay? And another thing is when, when we're looking at Amos, he used vivid and powerful imagery to describe God's judgment on Israel for their disobedience and injustice. He used that. And, you know, that's one of the things uh, that we're also uh, we're going to be looking at. You know, he prophesied about disasters um, such as droughts and famine, as well as an invasion and the exile of the people of Israel. How many of us know, you know, I was looking at this, you know, from a, a biblical perspective in the Old Testament. And it seemed like to me God judged the land and he judged the people. Now, when you think about that, what happened with the flood? He judged the land, <laughs> you know, the land got it just like the people. And I really believe that, you know, if we don't get it together and get it together quick, we're going to see some stuff happen. We're already seeing stuff happen. We're see Look at that wildfire up in Canada. I mean, burnt up a lot of stuff and we even got affected by that, you know, so we have to begin to look at those things. So Amos, he wasn't playing. He wasn't mixing words. He was a. Uh, one of his most famous prophecies was his message that God desired justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an 
ever you know, overflowing stream. And when you look at this message, it emphasizes the importance of social justice and equality. And it has become important, an important theme in the Old Testament, both in Jewish and Christian nations. So God, he's looking for us to stand up. And also his book not only contains prophecies, but his personal reflections on his prophetic ministry. I'm sure we all have um, personal reflections on our ministry and God, where God is taking us. Now, last week we talked about what his name meant. Amos' name meant burden bearer. It means burden or burden bearer. And he's the only Amos that was mentioned in the Old Testament. He was a citizen of Tekoa and he was a herdsman of sheep and a dresser of the sycamore trees. And, you know, he was called by God to do a great work for God. Amen. He was called by God to do a great work. And he did that work. He answered the call. He, uh, Amos, he wasn't scared, as they say. He wasn't scared about nothing. He stood up. He said, oh, OK, God, so you're calling me. OK, so he stood up and he answered the call. That is what God wants us to do as leaders. He wants us to stand up and answer the call. Now, what were some when you are called as a prophet you may have visions you may be a dreamer you know you may have visions you may hear things audibly of course god will speak to you from his word that's first and foremost he's going to always speak to a prophet from his word and anything that god gives you to this to say to his people it's always going to line up with his word it's never going to go outside the word of god so if you see people or hear people um, saying they heard from God, yet their words are not lining up with the word of God, you know that is not God. Amen. We can just stop it right there and say that's not God. So what are some of the uh, things, um, some of the visions uh, he had? His call had five uh, visions and he recorded in his book. He had the vision of the locust. Okay. He had, and that's in uh, chapter seven, verses one through three. He had a vision of a great fire devouring the land. Kind of reminds me of what's going on in certain parts of the world today, the wildfires. And, you know, it's just not happening in America. There's wildfires everywhere that are semi out of control. And that's in chapters seven, verses four through six. He talked about the plumb line in chapter seven, verses seven through nine. He talked about the basket of summer fruit and also the Lord standing by the altar and giving command to smite the capitals and, you know, let no one escape. Now think about that. You can find that in uh, Amos nine, chapter one. Nobody's going to escape. Keep on messing around. <laughs> Nobody's going to escape. So we have to look at, when we look at Amos, he was not a prophet initially, but God can use anybody Amen. that he chooses to use to get the word out, to get the word across. So we want to make sure that we don't just, you know, put people out because they're not called to the office of a prophet. You know, you can be called to prophesy one good time and that's it. Amen. The problem does not make the word that God gave you any less. Okay. So we don't want to discount God, you know, people when God is speaking through them. You know, we, we don't want to do that. Now, he, as I said, he was a native of Tekoa. It was a small village, um, about six miles south, south of Bethlehem. And it was overlooking the Dead Sea. Now, when you think about that, that must have been a very fertile and rich land because it was on the, on the coast. 
Okay. And so that tells us also that a lot of people may have been mishandled because of where they lived. It was a good land. Maybe they own some land. Some people wanted their stuff. They said, you live in a good area. I'm going to oppress you and take your stuff. That sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Very. Yeah. Very familiar. And so he was a herdsman. He um, kept sheep and goats and he was a grower of sycamore trees and he, you know, would take his little stick and pluck the sycamore trees to cause the fruit to, fruit to ripen. He wasn't thinking about being a prophet. He was minding his own business, okay? And when you look at him, he was one of the most forceful preachers of repentance and judgment of all the prophets of the Old Testament. Now, he wasn't even tutored. He was not tutored. God spoke to him and called him. He was not even tutored. And you know, he, was, he lived as a shepherd in an isolated and a desert region of Tekoa. And yet, being by birth, he was noble, he was healthy, and he was a vigorous man. He was kind of like John the Baptist, the Baptist. He was just out there doing his thing, right? But he had a heart for God. He And then by having a heart for God, he had a heart for God's people. As a prophet, if we don't have a heart for God's people, we're going to have to go back and check and see, is your stuff really right? Who called mm -hmm. Who is your father for real? Because yeah. if we don't have a heart for the, the people of God and the injustices, whether it be spiritual or social, economical, physical, whatever, if we don't have a heart for God's people, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. There's an issue. Because if God didn't have a heart for his people, he would not have sent his son. Amen. He, he would not have sent his son. So that's one of the things, you know, that we want to uh, make sure that we know that if you are called to be a prophet, you better have a heart for the people. Because if it's all about you and what you can get, that's a problem. That's a very, very big problem. Okay. Now, um, let's look at, I'm going to go to the next prophet because we do have to move along. But we're, I'm not shortchanging you guys, I promise. <laughs> but we do have, we have quite a bit of uh, information to cover. Now, Obadiah, Obadiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. Of course, he wrote the book Obadiah, which is the shortest uh, book of prophecy in the Hebrew Bible. And despite the shortness or the brevity of this book, his message is significant as he prophesied against the nations of Edom, a neighboring nation uh, to Israel that had acted treacherously towards Israel in their time of need. See, if you are a prophet, you're not going to act treacherously towards people in their time of need. Some people have the mentality where they think it's all about them and it's about nobody else and it's all about me and mine and that's it well you know mm -hmm. we have to really look at that and say you know god you know if it's all about you then i'm not going to act treacherously i'm not going to close up my hand if somebody needs something if i can help them now we are not to be used okay mm -hmm. and god will show us how not to be used, hoodwinked and bamboozled, because there's a lot of people out there hoodwinking and bamboozling folks and, you know, doing whatever to get what they can. But God, yes, he wants us to help people, but he wants us to use a lot of wisdom in doing so. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. So we have to use wisdom and it's OK to use wisdom. And guess what? It's OK to say no. If you know that somebody is doing the fool and, and doing too much as they say, it's OK to say, I can't at this time, I can't help. And that's okay. 
And if they have a heart for God and you have a heart for God, guess what? They're going to understand that. Because Amen. they are going to understand that maybe God didn't tell me to do that at this time. Now, I'm going I'm to tell you something. Um, several, maybe over 20 years ago, maybe over 20 years ago, um, um, this woman of God at a church I was attending, she needed her... Um, I'll just say she needed a bill paid. Okay. She needed a bill paid. And I wanted to help her. I went to leadership and said, we need to help her. She needs help. But the Lord witnessed to uh, the man of God's heart that no, we're not to do that at this time. And I was tore up because I had a heart for people. I said, this surely can't be right. But Hey, if the man of God said, we're not, we can't do it right now, then, you know, and God is saying something else, then I'm not going to override the leadership, right? Later mm -hmm. on down the line, her family pitched in and took care of the need. Now, had we jumped in and did it, God wanted them to help her. I was all extra young in the, in the gospel and zealous, and I wanted to do it. But see, that wise counsel, mm -hmm. wise leadership that hear from God and say, even though I want to help them. God, is this what you want me to do at this time? So mm -hmm. it's important to do that. We have to make sure that we're hearing from God. Now, when you look at um, Obadiah, another thing is the book of Obadiah, it contains messages of judgment against Edom, who had taken advantage of Israel's vulnerability during the time of crisis. And the prophet condemned Edom's arrogance and pride reminded them that they would too be brought low by God's judgment. Now, you know, when you're walking in arrogance and you're walking in pride, God will bring you low. Oh, yes. He will bring you low. He will make you, you will eat humble pie for real. You will eat humble pie if you are arrogant and you are full of pride. You know, it's talked about, you know, pride goes before destruction. Mm -hmm. You know, when you are walking in pride, you don't see nothing but yourself. It's all about you. When a person is walking in pride, when a prophet is walking in pride, um, they're not looking at the needs of the people. They're looking at fattening their wallets and getting their name out there. And that's it. And getting as many engagements as they can. Okay, I'm going to leave it right there. <laughs> I'm going to leave it right there before I crush some toes. <laughs> On the later part, somebody watching me like, hey, why is she talking about me? <laughs> They say about if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that hit. So, and sometimes prophets getting hit by that rock may save your soul. Amen. It will cause a cause us to look and see. You know, is that me? Am I acting like that? Am I, you know, being kind of, you know, some type of way, and I don't need to be that way? Is that me? So what uh, Obadiah did, he prophesied that the nation of Edom would be would be conquered. And destroyed that Israel would ultimately triumph over their enemies. You know, yeah. I've heard some people say, well, you know, you don't, you don't want to be prophesying destruction on people. And you don't want to, you know what? I tell you what, I'm going to say whatever the Lord say. That's it. And that's why as prophets, we have to be so sure that we are hearing God and not the intent of our own heart. Yeah. Because the intent of our own heart will have us speak of stuff that God didn't say. Then we in trouble. Mm -hmm. And then we've set stuff in motion because our words have power. Okay. And Obadiah, um, it also contains messages of hope for the people of Israel. 
despite the oppression and injustice they suffered. Obadiah prophesied that God will restore the fortunes of Israel and that they will once again inhabit their land safely and securely. Okay, so okay, so let's go back and think about that uh, how some people are against the prosperity gospel. Not there's balance in everything. The Lord makes us rich and add no sorrow to it. The blessings of the Lord. Okay. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to be in good health. And, you know, even as our soul prospers and it's okay to decree and declare, um, I am rich and I have, there's no sorrow to my blessing because the blessings of the Lord has made me rich. There's no sorrow to it. You know, I'm blessed in the city and the field when I come and when I go, you know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, I believe it's 28. He says, if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord and keep his commandment, all the blessings shall come upon you. That's all blessings. That's just not a part of a blessing. That's all every blessing I can get from God is coming upon me. That's spiritual, emotional, financially, you know, you know health-wise, every blessing that God has belongs to me. And I have the right to speak it into existence. And that does not make me a financial religious zealot. It just means that I am speaking according to the will and the word of God. Amen. Many people will have you think that if you want, if you're wealthy and you're a Christian, that you are in sin. The devil is a liar because my father is rich. <laughs> now, even you know, I like that analogy that it says that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, right? Now, just think about a thousand plots of land and you got cattle on a thousand acres we'll just say acres you know bring it into our common vernacular the thousand plots of land you got one thousand acres and on those one thousand acres you got all kind of uh cattle do you know how much you're worth my god but the enemy would have us to back up and think because we are thriving and we're you know thriving financially that you know, it doesn't, it's not supposed to be. Some people really have that mindset and they will try to shut you down and make you think something is wrong when you are doing God's will. Mm -hmm. okay? And when you are thriving financially and emotionally, socially, and things are, you know, moving on up. Remember that song, moving on mm -hmm. up? <laughs> Jefferson's. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure uh, George Jefferson had some haters and, you know, I'm just throwing that in there, but I'm sure he did, you know, and now we know it was a, a TV show, but in the natural, as God uses you to speak what he uh, wants you to have, you're going to have some spiritual haters. You're going to have some people that you never thought was a hater, be a hater. They're not going to want to see you succeed in the things of the kingdom. They want, they want you to be, um, how can I say, just making it. I was not born to just make it. Mm -mm. I was born to have everything that God has called me to have and to achieve everything that God has called me to achieve in the kingdom of God. So when you yeah. look at Obadiah, Obadiah is also... Uh, unique in that it contains a message of hope for the people of Israel. And despite the oppression and the injustice they suffered, Obadiah prophesied that God will restore the fortunes. You see that? Mm -hmm. He prophesied that God will restore the fortunes of Israel and that they would once again live in their land in safety and security. Okay? So it is okay to have a fortune. 
It really is. I, I want you to get that in your spirit because how are we going to fund the kingdom? How are we going to fund the kingdom? How are we going to get out there and do, you know, what God has called us to do? It does take finances. And I believe that in this season, God wants to bless his people with what it takes to move forward and do what he's called them to do. So when we look at Obadiah, his overall message of judgment and hope served as a reminder of justice and the sovereignty over the nations of God. Same thing today. All of these prophets thus far that we've talked about have a common thread. And the common thread is number one, we're going to call God's people back to repentance Amen. because you need to come on back to God for real. Not just out there doing your own thing, but come back to God, repent. Every one of you, <laughs> everyone repent and come back to God. And if you got things going on in your life, you know what? Let God deal with it. And he will let God deliver you. See, as a prophet, prophets see. We see. We see you. <laughs> and, you know, and because we see you, if God is allowing us, sometimes God will shut your eyes when you won't see. Mm. Then sometimes he'll open your eyes wide open so you can see it all. See everything. So you can call it out. So you can get people back to where they need to be in God. Because there's so many people out here in Christendom that's living a lie. Mm. Living a whole lie. And God mm. said, come back to me. Come Amen. back. Come on back. It's okay to repent and turn and sin no more. It is okay to do that. It really is. When we look at the prophet Jonah, 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 he was very, very interesting. We, Jonah, you know, he was supposed to be going to Nineveh, right? So think of Nineveh in Maine. And, but he was trying to flee to Tarshish. Um, Tarshish is as far as the distances between Maine and California. That's how far it was from one place to another. And he was trying to go to the other side. And he was a prophet of the Old Testament. He was best known for his story being swallowed by a great fish. And some people say a whale, but the Bible didn't say whale. It's that great fish. It could have been a, a big old catfish. <laughs> it could have been a... It could, have been a, it could have been a big old tilapia because you know tilapias are huge. Mm -hmm. They're very, they're not them little bitty fillets you get. Yeah, that's the after effect. Tilapias are huge. And so, I mean, he could have been swallowed by any type of fish, okay? So when you look at the book of Jonah, of course, it bears his name and it recounts his ministry and his encounter with God's grace and mercy. Now, that's one of the things that as prophets, we, we want to extend God's grace and mercy. We want to extend, I'm going to say that again, God's grace and mercy because all have fallen short. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. He extended us his grace and mercy. Why wouldn't we extend God's grace and mercy to people? Amen. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the book of Jonah, Jonah, God called Jonah to go and preach a message of repentance to the people of Nineveh. And, you know, they were known for wickedness. However, Jonah was reluctant to go instead. What did he do? He got on that ship and he was heading in the opposite direction. A great storm arose and Jonah eventually confessed to the sailors that he was running away from God. But guess what else happened? He didn't say that till they lost all their stuff. You better be careful, prophet, who you got on your boat. Amen. You better Amen. be careful who you yoked up with, hooked up with, linked up with, you know, because those people in that boat they were minding their business. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing, right? But mm -hmm. Jonah caused such a 
uh, upheaval in their lives, they thought it was something they did. They thought <clears throat> well, God was mad at them. They went to tossing their stuff overboard to lighten the ship because it was tossing back and forth. And then Jonah finally confessed. Finally confessed after they lost their stuff. Don't let people make you lose your stuff. Don't let people make you lose your stuff. I'm going to say it again. Do not let people make you lose your stuff because you're trying to help them. Okay? And God didn't tell you to help them. And then all of a sudden, they in your boat. They in your sphere. And then all of a sudden, you wonder why my stuff crashing and burning. Wrong people. God didn't say that. <laughs> and I'm saying it because I've been there, done that. Okay? I can speak from experience. I'm not being judgmental. I'm speaking from a place of experience. It's happened. Okay. So Jonah, he got thrown off that ship and the sailors threw him overboard. He was swallowed by that great fish. We knew he was in the belly of the fish for th uh, three nights and he prayed to God from inside the fish. And ultimately God called the fish to spit him up on dry land. But guess what? He could have spit him up anywhere in the world. But where did he spit him up at? He spit him up in the very place he didn't want to go. Now, you're going to go here. You're going to go do what I said. I'm going to put you right here so you can do it. But I just want to say this. Can you guys imagine what Jonah looked like after being in acid? <laughs> I mean, I mean, can you imagine? I'm sure his skin was all sluffy looking. And, you know, the stomach juices and the acids, those are very harsh acids. So he'd been marinating in that for three days and three nights. Think of that. So you, can you imagine what his clothes look like? Can you imagine? I would have repented too had I seen somebody running from the beach looking like that. Repent. Yeah, I would have been on my face. Can you imagine though? He had to be a sight to see. Yet he was very, after, you know, God got a hold to him, got a hold to his heart. He said, Lord, it took all this. For me as your mouthpiece to do what you called me to do. Don't let it take something like that for you as a prophet of God obey, to obey the Lord. Just do it. Don't be swallowed up by something that you got too close to and you got swallowed up and then now God, God got to cause something to swallow you up and spit you out in the right place. But when that happens, look at Jonah's physical appearance think of that think of what he lost because he refused to obey he was doing his own thing i ain't going over there they wicked they did all this stuff and jonah was upset he was angry about and he didn't want them he didn't want god to save them who are we as prophets to say who god can't save who is we are prophets to say who god doesn't love last i checked he died for the whole world. He died for the worst of worst. So it is not our job as prophets to go back and say that, you know, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve deliverance. They don't deserve healing. They don't deserve forgiveness. Well, God forgave us. Maybe we didn't kill anybody, but I'm sure at one time in our life, we all lied. And if you broke one, you don't broke them all, right? Okay. Because his sin is sin, okay? And so when we look at the uh, story of Jonah, it highlights the tension between God's judgment and his mercy, as well as the importance of obedience to God's call. 
Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is of the utmost importance because when God said, do it, just do it. Despite Jonah's initial reluctance and disobedience, God ultimately used him to bring about repentance and salvation to the people of Nineveh. We don't want to be so caught out there that we don't want to, we only want to see the good people saved. We only want to see, we, we don't even want to go to the highways and byways. That's why people don't go to the highways and byways because the people on the highways and byways look a certain way. Everybody, anybody thought of that? Highways and byways are not a pretty place. That's the skid row. That's the tent city. That's the places where don't nobody go. See, a lot of Christians in Christendom nowadays, and I can say that because I've traveled extensively around the country, I've seen it all just about. I'm sure there's some things I haven't seen, but I've seen quite a bit. I'll put it like that. And I noticed that in some instances, people only want to minister to pretty people. People that don't, don't seem or people that have something to give and, you know, things like that. And I'm not saying everybody's like that, but I've seen quite a bit of that. I've seen quite, and it's, it's horrible because God wants everyone saved. And as a prophet, God may have you walk up to someone that's homeless and minister salvation to them. They need to be saved too. But if we're so afraid to go and approach people, if you're afraid to go approach someone, get a group of folk and just go. You know, let's do it. Don't be afraid. Go to a park and just start talking to people about their soul and, you know, that God loves them. Some people only need to know that God loves them. I talked to a young man one time. And I told him Jesus loved him. And you know what he said? God hates him. That broke my heart. But that taught me something. That a lot of people out here don't even think that God loves them when they're living a certain way or they, their lives have become a hot mess and they're you know doing certain things. They begin to get the mindset that God doesn't love them anymore. And as prophets, it is our job to let people know even if they're acting like Ninevites, God loves you. Go back and read about the Ninevites and how, you know, a hot mess they really were. They really were a mess. When we look at Micah, Micah was a prophet in the Old Testament. He lived during the 8th century B.C. in Judah. He's known for his prophetic messages of judgment and hope. There's that common thread. You won't get judged, but there is hope in which he delivered to the people of Judah and Jerusalem during the time of political turmoil and social injustice. See, these prophets, again, they weren't caught up on, I got to be politically correct. They didn't care about that. All they cared about was doing the perfect will of God and making sure that the people were saved, that the people came back to Christ. And they, you know, they let them know. If you don't come back to God, this is what's going to happen to you. So come on back. I'm saying that now to the prophets out there who prophesying, who's saying any, anything and doing what you want to do. Come on back to God for real. Come on back to him for real and do what he's called you to do. Say what he's called you to say. But you can't speak as a prophet of God if you don't know his word and you don't know him. If you don't know him, you'll be speaking according to your own flesh, your own will, your own intent. And so uh, Micah, you know, he, he was he was an um, awesome prophet, one of the mighty prophets of God, awesome prophet. His message focused on corrupt leadership. Mm. 
corrupt leadership. He wasn't playing with them. He focused on corrupt leadership, social injustice that was prevalent in his society. Nowadays, people will not call out corrupt leadership because they don't want to lose their stuff. They don't want to lose their position. I would say today, I have a kingdom position and the only one that can kick me out is God, okay? The only one. Now, if I decide I want to step into another kingdom, which is the realm of darkness, the devil's kingdom, which I will not, but if a person wants to step over there, then they remove themselves. Don't be so caught up on people that you won't call out corrupt leadership. Now, as a prophet, if God shows you something that's corrupt in leadership of a church or ministry or what have you, do not go into that church and stand up and blast them in front of the whole congregation. Okay, do not do that. If God is really dealing with you, pray, 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 pray first. I'm going to say it again. Pray, pray, pray first. Then call a meeting and ask the leader if you can speak to them and share with them what God has shared with you. A lot of times, a lot of times people will literally, um, they will literally try to, how can I say They'll want you to, um, they'll want you to, they'll want to be seen. They want to be heard. They'll want you to know that they're the prophet and that they hear from God. So they'll go make a big scene in the church. And God ain't saying that. Never, ever go and disrupt somebody's church service because, I, you know, God, God is, Mm -mm. Don't do it. You're walking on thin ice. Thin ice. Okay. It's, young prophets, if you don't understand something, don't do Don't speak on it. Never, never attribute the things of God to the things of Satan. Because when you do that, you're uh, walking, um, um, you're teeter-tottering on blasphemy. And that's that's pretty serious. You never want to attribute the things of God to the three things of Satan. OK, so Micah, he wasn't playing. He was out to do God's will. And he was and what he did was he called the people of Judah to repentance. He called them to repent of their sin and return to God's ways. This is what we as prophets are to do. We call people back to repentance. He also prophesied that God would judge the wicked and would bring out justice for the oppressed. This is what Michael was saying. This is what we're to be doing. We're supposed to um, prophesy that God will judge the wicked, which he will. You know, in other words, let people know God is going to judge them. I'm here to do what he's called me to do. Amen. This is what we have to do. Now, one of Micah's well-known prophecies are found in Micah 5, 2. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where he prophesies the birthplace of the coming Messiah. It says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small amongst the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So he prophesied the coming Messiah. Isn't that awesome? Now, when you talk about and see, look how far ahead 
that he saw way down the line. Sometimes God will allow you to see something way down the line and it's up to God whether he wants you to speak it or not. He may not want you to speak it. Micah's message of judgment and hope served as a reminder of God's faithfulness and the importance of justice and righteousness. They go hand in hand, justice and righteousness. So despite the difficult circumstances of his time, Micah, what did he do? He held fast to the hope that God would ultimately bring about redemption and restoration for his people. See, it's as I mentioned at the top of the class, it is not all about houses and cars and lands. Oh my, it's not about all of that all the time. It's about getting God's people where they need to be in him. And this is what we're called to do. Uh, let's look at Nahum. And yes, we're going through these because there's another section of the manual that we have to get to. And I definitely, I may go there. What time is it? we got a few minutes. I may go there. I'm going to um, go to another section of the manual. And I'm going to go back next week and um, talk some more about uh, the prophets in the Old Testament. But prophets are relevant today. They are relevant today. And let me see here. We just have a few. I'm just going to go ahead and finish up the um, Old Testament prophets. I don't want to jump around too much. Sorry about that, guys. Let's look at Nahum. Nahum. He was a prophet also in the Old Testament. He lived during the 7th century BC. He was in Judah. He's known for his prophetic message of judgment against the city of Nineveh as well and the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Nahum's, now when you look at Nahum, his message was a continuation of the prophetic tradition that had been established by earlier prophets such as Jonah and Amos. However, while Jonah's, excuse me, while Jonah prophesied that Nineveh uh, would be spared if it repented. Nahum, what did he do? He declared that the city would be destroyed because of his wickedness and oppression. So it was like, you know, you got one prophet saying, you know what, if you repent, God, you know, you could be destroyed, but if you repent, God will restore you. And Nahum, he was just coming with the hammer. He said, you know what, if you don't repent, this is what's going to happen. We cannot mix words these days. People's souls and lives are hanging in the balance, okay? Nahum's prophecy is directed specifically against the Assyrian king, okay? Who is described, he was a, a brutal oppressor of, of his people and the surrounding nations. He was going around, he was messing up everybody. And this is who Nahum was uh, prophesying against specifically to the king. So remember I said that at times God may give you as a prophet a word for a leader. Hey, he may say, I need you to go and make an appointment because if you if you if somebody don't get to them, if their heart don't change, they are on their way out of here. How many people, leaders that we know checked out in the past five years, they just, they out, they out of here. And if some of them weren't right, did they even repent? God help, I hope they did. So Nahum prophesied that God will bring judgment upon the king and the city of Nineveh, which he described as a place of bloodshed and deceit because again, there was a lot going on in Nineveh. Nineveh, you gotta go back and read about that city. It was a lot going on there. And Nahum, he prophesied against them. And despite his message of judgment, Nahum's prophecy also 
it contained words of comfort and hope for the people of Judah who had suffered at the hands of the Assyrians. Now, when we are talking to people, when we are giving a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of correction, word of um, warning, God is also going to have a word of comfort. God is not just going to have you say, you know what? If you don't stop, your block going to blow up. <laughs> he's not going to, he's not going to, you know, have you say something and then not say, but if you repent, your whole block will be saved. He's not going to have you tell someone about what's going to happen if you don't follow God or if you don't turn back to God without giving the remedy. There's always going to be a remedy. Don't ever let someone tell you that, you know, um, I'll just say it like this. Don't listen to the prophets of doom and gloom because Jesus was the greatest prophet and he brought the greatest hope. Amen. He brought the greatest hope. Now, when you look at that, despite when we're talking about Nahum, despite it, the message of judgment, again, his words contain comfort. They contain hope. And I don't, you know, I just keep feeling the nudging about that comfort and hope. Someone today needs to hear that God is a God of comfort and he is a God of hope, no matter what your situation look like. Okay. So Nahum's message serves as a reminder of God's justice and the consequences of sin and oppression. There's a lot of oppression going on nowadays. There's a lot of oppression in many houses of God. People are under different types of leaders who are oppressing the people and God doesn't like that. And he's going to deal with that. So when you look at Nahum, his prophecy against Nineveh also highlights the power and the sovereignty of God over the nation and the world because God is God and he can do whatever he wants to do. Amen. Whatever he wants to do because he's God all by himself. Now, when you look at Habakkuk, Habakkuk was a prophet in the Old Testament as well. He lived in the late seventh uh, century BC in Judah. And he's also known for his prophetic message of questioning and wrestling with God in a midst of difficult uh, situations and circumstances. When you look at Habakkuk, Habakkuk prophecy is unique in that it consists primarily of a dialogue between the prophet and God. How many of you guys just had a dialogue between you and God? You know, sometimes that dialogue, you know, is just between us and God because God is trying to get something to us, you know, and we have a lot of questions. And so sometimes it's okay to go to God with your questions and nobody else, because you know what? Some of the questions I be having, I don't even think nobody else can handle them. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, now I need to talk to you about this. And it's okay to just go to him. It really is. And so Habakkuk, you know, when he was prophesying, Again, it was a dialogue between him and God. And what he was questioning God about was evil and injustice that he saw in the world and wonder why God was allowing it to continue. And what did God do in response? God assures Habakkuk that he will bring about justice in his own time and his own way. Okay. So a lot of times, you know, people will say, well, you know, Lord, you let this happen or you let that happen. You know what? We all have a free will. And a lot of times the stuff that we do or we did brings about a result of God's judgment. And then we blame God and say, God, you let this happen or God, you made this happen. And all the time, it is a direct result of something we did 
or something we said, but because we didn't get the rescue like we thought we was going to get, then we want to blame God. So we have to be careful of that. Okay. And again, God assured Habakkuk that he will bring about justice in his own time. Sovereign of God, sovereignty of God. You know, just because we think something should happen in a certain time or season does not necessarily mean that it's going to happen in a certain time or season because God knows when things need to happen in our lives. He knows when things need to happen in people's lives. He knows the time and the season and when he need to bring about things in his own way. And when you look at Habakkuk, one of his most well-known prophecies is found in Habakkuk 2.4, where he declares the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. And this verse would later also be quoted by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament as a key component of the Christian doctrine of salvation by faith. Now, when you look at Habakkuk, his message uh, of question and wrestling with God is a powerful reminder of the complexity of faith and the importance of honesty and transparency. Now, faith is complex. Because if you live in my faith, prophet, it ain't about what you see. It's about what you don't see. It's about what God has already said. It's about what God has already spoken. We A lot of stuff we don't see. Some, some prophecies or things that God will have, you say you may never see them fulfilled in your lifetime. You may speak a word and it may be, it was, I spoke a word to a uh, woman of God. It was 20 years later for that prophecy came to pass. I have forgot all about it, <laughs> but she came back and told me. So don't get hung up on, you know, I got to see it happen right now. Amen. And so also, when you look at Habakkuk, his prophecy also serves as a reminder that God is sovereign and just. God is sovereign and just. And even when we don't understand what God is doing of the ways that he's working things out in our lives, in our homes, in the world, what have you. I tell you what, it's okay. It's okay not to understand what God is doing. That's when you got to trust him, right? I don't see, I don't see him, but I know he's there. He, I don't see him with my natural eye, but I know he's there. I don't see the end result of this situation, but I know he's already worked it out. As a prophet of God, we have to be so convinced that God has already worked things out for our good, that no matter what's being said, what's being done, what we see in the nation, what we see in our, our families, what we see in various places as a you know prophet of God, open up your mouth and start speaking. If you don't like what you say, <clears throat> I will submit to you, get to talking about it according to the word of God. Amen. And we talked about that uh, last week as well. Who was Zephaniah? Zephaniah was also a prophet in the Old Testament who lived during the reign of King Josiah of Judah. And um, his message was focused on the theme of the day of the Lord, a time when God would judge the nations and bring salvation to his people. You know what? When I think about that, when, when I think about that, the day of the Lord and when God will bring, you know, um, will judge the nation to bring salvation to his people. It's almost like when we look at each one of these prophets, they are, we're literally right there all over again. We're right there all over again. The book of Zephaniah begins with a proclamation 
of God's coming judgment against Judah and the surrounding nations. Now, what did Zephaniah do? Zephaniah warned that the day of the Lord is near. Hey, guys, is the coming of Christ near? Is the coming of Christ near? Yes, it is. But Zephaniah, was, he was warning the day of the Lord is near and that God will punish the wicked and destroy the nations who have rebelled against him. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. If that don't sound like today, that sounds like right where we are today before the coming of Christ. It really, really does. Very, very, very interesting. Now, when we look at Zephaniah, his message not only was one of judgment. He also, again, here we go, offers hope and comfort to the remnant of God's people who will be preserved through the coming uh, through the um, coming judgment that was to come upon them. Why am I driving that home? Because when God gives you a message of warning for a person or a nation or a church or a pastor or a uh, a fivefold leader, he's also gonna also gonna have you bring forth comfort. That's balance. That's order. Because Jesus, he came, you know, to destroy the works of darkness, but he also came to bind up all our wounds. Amen. He wanted to get the darkness out of us, and but he will bind up our wounds. And it don't feel good when we're getting whooped. It don't feel good. The, the Bible says. Whom the Lord loves, he chases and he scourges every son. That means you got to show enough butt whooping with four braided switches. <laughs> Anybody know what that is? <laughs> okay. And so, but he binds up our wounds. Amen. So Zephaniah, he warned and he said that the, the day of the Lord is near and that God will punish the wicked, destroy the nations who have rebelled against him. And he also, again, had he brought hope. So in the midst of you as a prophet bringing correction, make sure you also bring the hope. That's very, very important because a person that feels like they don't have any hope, they'll run. They will run and we don't want to be the one to chase them away. OK. All right. So he offers hope and comfort. And then Zephaniah prophesies that God will restore the people and bring them back into his favor purify them from their sins and make them holy people again now think about that he prophesied that god will restore his people and bring them back to their favor when people are outside of the will of god they're walking outside of the favor of god and when you look in the bible um i think i don't remember where that scripture is found but it says that the way of the transgressor is hard and if somebody could get that for me i appreciate it and but God wants to bring us back to his favor. He wants to bring those back into his favor, into his loving arms that have strayed away. And he wants to purify them. He said that he will purify them from their sins and make them a holy people. That's the only way that a person can be holy is if we are purified from our sins. And uh, Zephaniah, this is what he was saying. He said, you know what? God, if you don't get your act together, and you stay wicked, God is going to destroy this nation if you keep rebelling against him. But if you turn to God, God will bring you back into his favor. He will purify you from your sins and make you a holy people. And Zephaniah's message is significant for its emphasis on the coming day of the Lord. And, you know, when you look at 
because when you look at what I just stated here, that's exactly what Jesus did. He died for all of our sins so that we could not only be free from sin, but we could live with him forever, but also walk in the favor of God. Amen. Walk in God's favor and walk purely. This, you know, and uh, later on down the line, I'm going to get into uh, different types of prophets. And one of the things that I'm going to be talking about down the line is how uh, prophets use their uh, God-given abilities to mess over people. And God does not like that. He doesn't like it one iota, not one bit. Now, when we were talking about Jeopardizing message, how it's significant for its emphasis on the coming day of the Lord. Um, the day of the Lord is a time of judgment and salvation. Okay. When God will bring to an end evil and establish his kingdom on earth. So when Zephaniah was talking, it, he was talking to what was going on then, but it also speaks to our here and now. There is a time when all this is going to end. I've been thinking about that a lot lately, more so more now than ever about the coming of Christ, the rapture. Are we ready? Who's ready? Who's not ready? What can we do as prophets to begin to speak into the lives of people to get them ready to meet the Savior? This, I mean, it's, this is not just, and I hear somebody saying, well, isn't that what the evangelist is supposed to do? We're all supposed to bring God's people into the kingdom. Mm -hmm. We all have that evangelic um, part in us like that want people to come to Christ. It's in us. That fivefold is in us, okay? Now, another thing is, Additional to Zephaniah's message of judgment and hope, Zephaniah's prophetic style was also noteworthy because he was very poetic and he, when he spoke, it was like fire. It was like, you know, he used all the different, you know, words to bring people into what God, you know, was saying. He used a lot of imagery to convey his message. For example, he described the day of the Lord as darkness and gloom. And when the stars and the moon will be darkened and the earth will tremble with fear. Now that is very, I mean, when you think about that, this is a prophet, prophets, listen, if you said I have a word from you from the Lord and you start saying to somebody, darkness, the day of the Lord is at hand and darkness and gloom. And when the stars of the nations will be darkened and the earth will tremble, this is the kind of stuff that Zephaniah was saying. My God. Can you imagine going up to somebody saying that? You know, the earth is going to tremble with fear if you don't get it right. <laughs> My God. But see, he was very expressive in what he said. And being express expressive is okay because sometimes God will tell you who to be gentle with and who to be very expressive with. And see, these prophets knew how to deal with each individual person. They knew how to deal with people and get the job done. Amen? They mm -hmm. knew exactly how to deal with them according to what God told them. See, if we have the heart of God as a prophet, when we approach someone and we begin to tell them or call them out or however you want to put it, God will tell you how to minister to that person. He may say, mm -hmm. use every big word you can muster up. <laughs> you know, because they love they love Greek, Hebrew, thesauruses, dictionaries. So use them all. Be ready. If they say 
have you go to somebody and say, God loves you and he wants you to repent and come back to him. And the floodgates of tears open up. They start crying and repenting and turn back to God. So as a prophet, you have to know how to minister to people individually Amen. and not so much collectively unless you're in a large crowd then you know he, he give you the way to minister in that respect but he's going to tell you how to minister to people individually because i'm going to tell you what there was a time in my life when i came back to god years 30 over 30 years ago years and years ago that i was so broken and wounded i couldn't stand to hear anything loud i couldn't mm -hmm. stand to hear a loud voice it just shook my nerves. And the people that God had in my life at that time oh, no. where I was, and they were very, very gentle with me okay. until I began to get restored and all of them wounds began to be bound up. But had they came in like maybe one of their other spiritual children that they could just ah, get over there and sit out, you know, and they did it to me, that may, that may have crushed me for good. Okay. So I was always already in a, a, a crushed state. I was already in a, a, a state where I needed help. So any further crushing could have pulverized me. And God would show us as prophets how to minister to minister to people individually so they won't be crushed. The only mm -hmm. thing that we're going to tear down and crush is the uh the <laughs> the devil's kingdom. And we're going to build up the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. So overall, Zephaniah's prophetic message emphasizes the theme of judgment, hope, and the coming day of the Lord. His message reminds us that God is just and holy, but also merciful and gracious, and that he will ultimately bring about his kingdom on earth. And so that was, you know, the overview of Zephaniah. And we got a couple of more. We got three more. You guys got time for three more? <laughs> Amen. If not, make time. Hey, I only get one. Hour. <laughs> you know, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Glory to God. Okay, so we just did Zephaniah. Let's look at Haggai. Haggai was a prophet who lived during uh, the Persian period of Israel's history after the Jews had returned from their exile in Babylon. You know, that was a mess. I think they got exiled like three times or something or something like that. I'll, I'll look that up. But yeah, they, he um, lived during that Persian period. And it was after they returned from their exile in Babylon. His message was directed primarily to the people of Judah who had returned from the exile. And he encouraged them to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. He was encouraging them to do that. Now, when you look at the book of Haggai, it begins with a message from God to Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah and um, governor of Judah and Joshua, the high priest. And God speaks through Haggai. What did he do? He urged the people to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed by the Babylonians. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was doing. And he points out that while the people have been busy rebuilding their own home, homes, the temple lies in ruins. So it was like, okay, so why is your house looking fantabulous and the house of God is in ruins? That's basically what he's saying. Your house is good. Get God's house in order. Rebuild. Restore his house. And he tells the people that they need to prioritize building the temple. 
And the promises that God, and the promise was, was that God would be with them and bless their efforts. How many of you guys know that God will be with you and bless your efforts if you're taking care of his business? Right here in the book of Haggai, you know, you know, he was saying, handle God's business and I'm going to handle yours. Take mm -hmm. care of my house and I'm going to take care of your house. He promised them that. But the priority was to uh, rebuild the temple. Okay. As a prophet, your priority must always be the things of God. God comes first in all things. Hey, God's message was especially relevant to the people of Judah at that time as they had been struggling to rebuild their lives after they got exiled. You know, they had been taken into captivity. They was not only, you know, struggling to build their house, and then here comes, hey, God, put God first. And God is going to help you. He's going to bless your effort. But they were also struggling to rebuild their lives. Whenever you've been in captivity in any situation or circumstance or even just in your own life, sometimes coming back, bouncing back is a struggle. But guess what? God will bless your effort. Put him first and he will definitely help you. So the rebuilding of the temple was a significant symbol of their return to their homeland and their commitment to worship God. We got to have a commitment to worship God no matter what. Hey, guys, message also served as a call to action. And he encouraged the people to put their faith into action. What does the Bible say? Faith without works is dead. Yeah. Put their faith into action and take concrete steps to rebuild the temple. I'm going to say to every prophet, take concrete steps to spend time with God, to build up the temple of God in you. To make sure that as we are building the temple of God in us, we're fasting, we're praying, we're in the word, we're spending time with God. We're not, not just doing what we want to do, but we're doing what God has called us to do. And Haggai's message was not only focused on rebuilding the temple, he also spoke about the importance of obedience to God's law. And we have to be as prophets obedient to the word. And he also told him about the consequences of disobedience. You don't obey God, you're going to get the smackdown. And I'm just putting that lightly. Because if you go back in the Old Testament and read about what was happening to people and whole nations and whole countries. and wiped out. Of it, Yeah, they were wiped out. Why? Because they refused to obey God. And so he spoke about the importance of the obedience to God's law and the consequences of disobedience. He also urged the people to turn away from their sinful ways and return to God. Promising that God would bless them if they did so. How many of us know as prophets, you can turn away if you want to. It is not going to be a good thing. Come on, gentlemen. It's not going to be a good outcome. It really is not. Because God expects us to, we're, we're his mouthpiece. We're speaking as God gives us, you know, words of utterance. We're speaking as his mouthpiece. So don't turn away. Don't turn away to your own thing. Don't try to, you know, um, puff yourself up to uh, and uh, think of yourself highly, more highly than you ought. Stay humble. Stay low because we don't want God to bring us down. Amen. Bring us low. Amen. We don't have to eat humble pie. I I'm tired of humble pie. I I'm no, no, sir. Mm -mm. Nope. And so also another thing is he, uh, in addition to his message of repentance and rebuilding, Haggai also prophesied about the future of God's kingdom. Okay. He spoke about the coming of the Messiah, the one who will bring salvation to God's people and establish God's kingdom here on earth. This is what these Old Testament prophets, that's why I, I, I don't understand when people say we're not in the Old Testament anymore. 
we're only we're only in the New Testament. You got to know where you come from. You have to know your foundation. So when you look at Haggai, his message was the call, uh, a call to action for people of Judah to rebuild the temple, to renew their commitment to God. Because you know what? When they were taken out into captivity, guess what? They weren't in their land. They right. were in a pagan land. They were in a land where there were idol worship, where it was all type of stuff going on that wasn't right. I mean, you go back and read about those, um, the pagan worship and all of that that was going on in Babylon. And you'd be like, wow. And God's people were captive there. So you know they picked up some ways. They were not there for two days. They were there for years. And so you know some of that stuff must have rubbed off on them. So that's why he you know, had to say, come back to God, you know. And, you know, he wanted to, to establish and renew their commitment to God. So if he was asking them to renew their commitment to God, there must have been a time when they were committed to God. After they were deported, they got into the idol worship. And then when they got set free, he said, now you got to renew yourself to God. Mm -hmm. Very, very important. Renew their commitment. So his message was a message also of repentance and obedience along with his prophetic vision of the coming Messiah, which in turn provided hope. See, as a prophet, we always got to provide hope. We always got to provide hope. And you know what? I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> we got two more uh, to go through. We'll uh, pick that up next week. And we'll be talking about Malachi and we'll be talking about Zechariah. And um, yeah, we'll be talking about those two. And I tell you what, it's going to be phenomenal because we're also going to um, get into prophecy in the New Testament. We're going to be talking about uh, prophecy in the New Testament, like in Genesis 3.15, it said the seed of the woman will crush the head of the servant. A lot of messianic prophecies that we're going to be talking about and how uh, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies regarding the coming of the Messiah, such as his birth, his ministry, death, resurrection, you know, and things like that. So it's important to not only know the background, but we got to know, you know, what's to come as well. Amen. Amen. So, you know, I just want to encourage you guys to come back next week. And, you know, another thing we're going to be talking about when we get on down the line is going to be very, very interesting because we're going to talk, be talking about the revelance, the relevance of prophets today. Relevance, relevance. Relevance, sorry. <laughs> We're talking about the relevance of prophets today because unfortunately, a lot of people think that prophets are not relevant. Mm -hmm. They don't even, they'll say a prophet, apostles and prophets, they don't exist anymore. Well, yeah, the prophets of the Lamb don't exist, but there are modern day uh, apostles. Did I say prophets? I meant apostles of the Lamb. There are uh, the apostles of the Lamb don't exist because, of course, they walk with Jesus and they're dead. But the prophets and apostles now, we are called for such a time as this. The whole fivefold ministry exists. So we're going to be talking about the relevance of prophets. And so I just want to um, let you guys know that is all I have for today. I trust that this has blessed you guys. Do anyone have any comments or um, any comments at this time? If so, you can go ahead now. Um, I'll go. Of course, phenomenal as always. Mm -hmm. And it, right at the very end, Apostle, years ago, the Lord spoke to me and said that I needed to study Zephaniah uh -huh. because I was going to need it. 
Mm, and it wasn't until this very moment that I got clarity and understanding as you was going through mm -hmm. exactly who he was and what his prophecies meant and why he was called. Yeah. And now I understand all these years mm. of, of, of reading and reading and reading. I kept reading the books over and over and over again. Uh -huh. I, would get, I would get some unction as to what it was, but it wasn't until this very moment that I understand Praise what God. my prophecy gift is according to Zephaniah. Amen. So that that was that was good. Just to, again, just to go through the old prophets and just to understand who they were so mm -hmm. we can have something to gauge ourselves against. Amen. Um, that's what I'm thoroughly enjoying. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. You know, mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm going to be doing after we're done with the School of Prophets, I think I'm going to, well, I'm actually going to start a Bible, weekly Bible study as well. But what I want to say is, you know, we have to dig in. Mm -hmm. We have to dig in. We have to know. We don't even know how much longer we'll be able to have a Bible. We don't know. Amen. We got to have that word hidden in us. Apostle Ron, go ahead. I know you have something to say. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, it's very good. It's, very, it's been really good. Very good. Praise mm -hmm. the Lord. It's been very good from 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 uh, from from actually conception. You know, it, it's I, I really. I'm really grateful again because the, as I've echoed uh, through all through the course, um, the the um, the restoration of the integrity of the office is being restored. I believe through this course, I think that's really important, and I, I believe that that um, it it, it, it it's must continue to go beyond even just the forum that we're in, so it can help other people mm -hmm. um, that are called to understand. Um, the, the, their 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 value, and no, no matter what they've experienced and what they've seen, um, their relevance today. And and I, and, I, and I like listening about the, the Old Testament prophets because it does describe a relevance for us today. Us yes. as prophets today, there is a relevance. There is you, you, when you listen, you see God is still the same God. Yes, he is. He's still the same God. I, I know we're in the New Covenant. Thank God for the new covenant. Thank God what Jesus Amen. did for us. Glory to God. Thank God for what Jesus did for us. Amen. But 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 the but the message the message is the same. It is the message is the same. We're 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 in a we're in a different season and a different time. But the the the, the, the watch this the process mm -hmm. and the condition conditioning is the same. The call is the same. Now, as you were speaking, what was really really important to me, God, because I was taking a lot of notes as you were speaking. I was listening. To the, to the to the to the Holy Spirit, and 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 for the prophet that's listening, and the prophet that will be listening at a lot of time, understand I, 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 what I'm getting. You got to understand the call. You got to understand the commission, and you got to understand the mandate. You got to understand it, and and see, you also we also have to have the heart of God. Yeah, and and see when we we that that heart is developed through cultivation. Yes, that part is developed through cultivation, and so as we're being processed, there's a degree of cultivation that's taking place for the development for the heart and the mind of God. Now, 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 once we get that, once we because it's continuous, it's it's it's, it's continuous, it's through all throughout our walk until we go to glory. There's an ongoing process that takes place for the cultivation of the heart of God, so we can deliver the message. That's right. Because we, we got to understand what the message is. We got to understand. Who God sends us to, 
and what the message is, and this is what I this this is what was was relevant in all the what you've been descriptive of all the prophets. They all had a specific message to Israel. Yep. Mm -hmm. They all had a specific message to a people. It is no different today. We as prophets have a specific mm -hmm. message to a population group. That's right. Now, now, some of the things that you were saying is real important, and 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 I and I, and I identified that as being a form of immaturity and carnality. And, and 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 prophets going wow when you started yeah. talking about how a prophet it's it if they speak in error if they speak uh concerning judgment if you will and and not restoration if you will and and, and when i when i've listened to that as you were speaking i'm i'm, I'm seeing where there's there's been obviously prophets that step out in their zeal yeah and not stepped off come on wow not stepped out after being cultivated because there has to be a cultivation there has to be a cult there has to be and this is where the processes are so essential the processes are so essential that we go through to the point to where now we have the heart of god we have the mind of god and watch this our loyalty belongs to god that's it our loyalty don't belong to this church our loyalty don't belong to that church our loyalty don't belong to that leader hear what i'm saying in other words, our priority is first to God. him. Mm -hmm. It's God. Now you honor to whom honors do. Uh -huh. That's right. mm -hmm. It's true. Mm -hmm. We we do that, but that loyalty belongs to God. Mm -hmm. When we when we understand that, that will keep us from stepping out of bounds. That's right. Stepping out of protocol. Stepping outside and and, and making our own self a voice when we're truly not a voice. That's right. We we are the messengers of God. And that's it, and when and, and praise God, and 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 really, when I'm hearing the judgment too, because I, I, I'm, I'm as I'm reading the scripture, judgment to me is important. Hear what I'm saying? It's 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 generally given to people that know that they know that they know. Nineveh knew what they were supposed to do. Right. Yeah. Nineveh knew what they were supposed to do. So judgment, the the warning, should I say? That's a better word. Came. Mm -hmm. And they repented. Yeah. Most seasoned people have already been dealt with by the Holy Ghost. That's right. That's and right. God will send a voice. Yeah. Because 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 a comforter going to come. The convicting power of the Holy Ghost is going to come before yeah. a, a tangible person come. The convicting power of the Holy Ghost is going to deal yeah. with that man. Deal with that woman. You're not listening, so I have to send a man. You're not listening, so I have to send a woman. And they're going to tell you what mm -hmm. I've told you. And mm -hmm. if you don't respond. This is inevitable. That happened to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That happened to me. When I when I when I, I stepped away from God, following Eve, a prophet came, the same one had mentored me, and she wasn't playing. Mm -hmm. She showed up and she said, Man of God, mm. if you don't turn back to God, mm. you think you've gone through something, you ain't seen nothing yet. And that's the only thing that she said. That's it. Mm -hmm. So she was talking to a seasoned man that willfully was running from God, just mm -hmm. like Jonah was willfully running from God. Right. So there's the time that there's a degree of, of, of where the word has to come that it reaches you where you at. Yeah. That verse, and I'm not talking about the criticizing prophets. I'm not talking about uh, the yeah. prophets that judge and speak from their flesh. I'm talking about those. Like if you came on today, like you get and you and you picked up a call, you said, Apostle Ron. The Lord told me to tell you to leave that woman alone. 
Uh -huh. If you don't, he's going to visit you. Mm. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. thank God for those type of prophets. Thank yeah. God for, and I'm with you where you don't go into a, and, and, and embarrass anybody. I'm with you on that. That's yeah. immaturity. When a, when a prophet thinks they can walk in the church and, and begin to, to, to say things that God said publicly to people without sitting down with the leader, I got it. That That's immaturity. That's yeah. immaturity. Yeah. But 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 there. But I'm gonna say this before we we conclude. That's why there's prophetic protocols. That's, That's right. why there. That when when you said that, I said okay. I wrote it down. Let all things be done decently in order. Number one. Number two. Prophetic protocols. That's right. Prophetic protocols. Prophetic protocols. And and when we get that word, when we're under leader, let's talk to the leader. That's right. When we get, when we get that word, and 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 like we're in this forum, we got apostles and prophets. Hey, I got a word. From the Lord last night, Apostle Allison, I want to run this across you. I got a word from the Lord. I believe from the Lord, Apostle Betty, I need to run this across you. For out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. That's right. That's Amen. Right. Amen. Yeah, Amen. and you know, very, very, very important. Thank you so much, Apostle Betty, Apostle uh, for sharing. Anyone else before we close today? Anyone else? Wasn't that an awesome teaching? We look forward to you tuning in each week for more teachings from Apostle Allison J. Cross, founder of Fire and Rain Ministries. You can follow us on Facebook, Roku, The Fire Stick, Apple TV, iTunes, and more under the Fivefold Network. To contact the ministry, you can reach us at 252-764-5685 or email us at apostleajcross at gmail.com. God bless you and see you next time.